And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jay Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today I would like to start with, uh, I saw RBG, which is the documentary about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the mm-hmm. Supreme Court Justice. Yes. And I wanted to start with a quote from her. Um, and this is on how she was asked how she'd like to be remembered. Um, and mm-hmm. she said, Someone who used whatever talent she had to do her work to the very best of her ability and to help repair tears in her society, to make things a little better through the use of whatever ability she has, to do something, as my colleague David Sutter would say, outside myself, because I've gotten much more satisfaction for the things that I've done for which I was not paid. Mm. That's such a good quote. Isn't it? It's a good quote. And it's so it's so on like it's on topic of what I've been learning about and what I've really been kind of exploring in the last um, couple of months, especially. And so it's just really interesting. It, it's just, you know, I've been feeling more called to do more service and, and find a way to kind of just serve where I can, realizing that, like, if, you know, I don't have this, I still have time and kind of just thinking about things a little differently. And it's like it's been so much more rewarding, like putting myself out there with doing more things that are just service oriented and just, it really just kind of wanting to help, just feeling called to help and deciding to do that. And so like, that's something that I've really been much more aware of in my own life and how much more rewarding that actually is and not doing it for the reward, but then finding the reward on the other side of it, a feeling like I just feel so much better um overall and so that that quote is just really um just really resonated with me and just kind of like um of where i'm at right now yeah where the documentary really got me was uh one it's just i ruth bader ginsburg is i think it's kind of interesting that she's kind of become this huge icon for yeah. almost like liberal millennials um yes. and it's this 84 year old woman who looks incredibly fragile but has all this power and, and influence who's kind of become this big icon and what the documentary shows is both everything she's done as a justice but all the things she did to advance women's rights and yeah. just gender e- equality before she was a Supreme court justice before anyone had any idea who she was. And it just, it, it reminds me that the people really spearheading change are not always the ones that are in the spotlight and are often not the ones in the spotlight. There's all these people behind the scenes doing this incredible work that you'll never know about um, that are advancing issues that we all care about. Mm-hmm. And how much that behind the scenes work and how valuable that behind the scenes work is that so many people are doing. And it's like, it makes you think about other people's stories. It's like, we we know her story now because she's Ruth Bader Ginsburg and she, you know, she, who, what she's done as, as a, as a Supreme court justice, but had she not had that other half of her, her life and her work, we may not have ever heard about all these other things that she did. And so it really just kind of makes me think about 
all the stories of the people that are doing that work behind the scenes to advance these issues that really mean so much to us and and how you know how 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 difficult that work is you know it's like when you have a platform and you have support and you have finances and you have you know all the things that that help it it, it makes it that much easier and you have support but when people are like fighting day to day and and doing these things and um getting arrested, putting themselves on the front lines for issues that they believe in, it it really just kind of, again, resonates with me about how important it is to find a space to do my own part. Right. And I think that was a, a big part of the documentary actually was uh, them kind of showing how she found her voice in law and how she always wanted to be a, a leader within uh, advancing gender equality, but she wasn't the type of person who's going to go march and rallies and, and scream and, and protest and do those things. It just wasn't who she was. And she found uh, a different way to do it. And she was also, uh, what struck me about it is, is how mindful mm-hmm. she was when she navigated uh, her career and, the ways in which she tried to advance uh, gender equality. There was, uh, especially in a time when, I mean, we think it's bad now with people not thinking that there's a problem. Like back then, no one, she was literally the only person, it was her role to convince people it was even an issue. Um, And she got a lot of pushback and she ended up taking on uh, a case for a uh, a man whose wife was in the military and died in the military and he was left uh, with basically a newborn child and wanted to stay home to raise the child and they basically wouldn't give him the pay uh, that he should get that if it, if it was reversed and if the father had died that the mother would get. So she took on that case specifically to show this isn't just about women. This is an issue that affects everybody. Um, And as soon as one gender is not equal, it causes problems for everybody. And it was just so mindful and so, so smart uh, Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And when I think of when you hear stories like that, and I'll definitely have to watch the documentary, but it, it makes me think what's her, like what's her self-care practice like like what is her morning practice like like how how what's her mindfulness or her does she meditate does she pray does she you know kind of how does she get in touch with her intuition because it sounds like you know to be mindful you have to kind of you to be in touch and so I kind of start thinking like oh I wonder you know how did she Mm -hmm. keep herself in touch with what she needed to do and what things she couldn't really deal with you know or focus on and what areas were going to be the most where she could affect the most change yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, they don't go into into that specifically in the documentary, but uh, what they do go into, which kind of seemed like her anchor was very much her husband, um, and they were both like top of their class in, in law school, and he, when she started advancing, he believed in the cause as much as her that he really, he always worked and stuff, but he really supported her and moved, they were in New York, and when she got that a job in DC, they moved to DC for her. Like that in that day and age, like a man moving for his wife to have a career is insane, like unheard of. 
Right. Um, right. Wow. So they really part of the documentary is really showing that relationship. Because she's eighty. You said because she's eighty four. Uh, she was 85 now, 84, 85. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, no, that was a long, long time. I have to kind of remind myself, like, how long ago yeah. it was that this was happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was right on the, really, off the tails of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Wow. But, yeah, I, I recommend uh, whether... It, it's not really a... It's a pretty... I mean, she's a more liberal court justice... Um, mm-hmm. And it does discuss her policy and stuff, but it's not a liberal documentary, in my mm-hmm. opinion. It's not pushing any kind of uh, agenda. It's mm-hmm. more about her life and her accomplishments. Um, yeah. So I definitely recommend it for anyone, really. Awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely check it out. So transitioning, the other thing uh, I wanted to talk about was the controversy that seems to be surrounding the Roseanne reboot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we, we have an interesting perspective because you've watched only the, the first episode and kind of see a lot of what activists are saying. And I've watched, I think I'm, I haven't watched the latest episode, but I watched the first five, six. I don't yeah. even know how many they are. Um, and I think uh, I've struggled personally with a lot of the, uh, controversy surrounding it um, in that I feel like it's uh, the outrage is a little misplaced or I, I don't want to say misplaced. I, th- I think it's uh, conf- it confuses me because I don't, it doesn't seem to be focused on finding solutions to the issues it's bringing up. It seems more with a direct focus of just criticizing without mm. there being any uh, productivity to it. So a lot of the controversy is over Roseanne uh, being a Trump supporter and uh, I guess people being upset that uh, we are seeing Trump supporters kind of humanized um, mm-hmm. in, in a way. Um, for me, when I watched, the show uh it it still feels very liberal uh to me like even when there's conservative elements they're they're put into situations where uh that conservative mentality is very challenged and i think they've right they've written it cleverly enough that uh the characters i mean it's like a real family you have different perspectives in it and no conservative idea or liberal ideas presented without kind of a, a counterpoint to it, um, which uh, I think is, uh, I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know because I, t- I saw the first episode and I, I watched it out of curiosity, but it wasn't like something I like, wanted to even really see brought back, to be honest. Like I was kind of just like, why? Um, But I was curious and I started hearing things about it. And so I watched the first episode um, and I don't know. I mean, I get the So the angle of the criticism that I'm hearing is more just kind of around um, based on who I follow on Twitter and stuff is more just kind of like 
feeling like this perspective has been shown already and has been humanized more than other voices and feeling like marginalized voices still don't really get opportunities on these kind of big network shows to show different sides or kind of be more, um, be more humanized, but yet feeling like there's a lot of effort to appeal to the white conservative viewpoint, um, especially right now. And I see it a lot of times in, um, in like the primary races that are happening right now. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk around, um, and especially in a lot of these democratic primaries in the South of there's kind of one direction of the, the, um, kind of more, um, I don't know, moderate, more conservative democratic um, viewpoint of wanting to appeal to the conservative, um, Trump supporter and kind of, um, appeal to that viewpoint and really try to bring that, um, voice to the table into the democratic party versus the idea and kind of more um focused on we need to speak to the people who have already been here and already supporting us and speak to our constituents and speak to um black people black women in these communities and really start dealing with those issues more directly versus kind of just as a um as like an addition to these other issues that become the priority. And so I think that's kind of the, the criticism that I'm seeing. So I've read a couple different think pieces about it and kind of read that and read about it from that expanded kind of viewpoint of the perspective. And so it actually made sense to me why I had no interest in it. Cause it wasn't right. like, I was like, like I used to love Roseanne, like the old episodes, like, are so funny to me. And I just, I love that show. I think it's a classic. Um, And so it wasn't, so I was almost kind of surprised that I wasn't interested in it myself. And then when I started reading those things, I was like, oh, you know what? That kind of makes sense because like the shows that I'm finding myself interested in watching are much different perspectives. And I'm going to um, other networks, more the cable networks that have shows like The Shy and shows like, you know, things like that, that, um, are showing a different perspective and that's kind of what I'm, I'm wanting to consume more now because there finally is more of those voice are more of those voices. And so I think, um, so I guess what I'm saying is that's kind of where I see the criticism or the disinterest coming from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I think the first episode really is the only one that deals with politics directly. Um, mm-hmm. There's never really any reference to Trump or Hillary Clinton or anything directly political in any of the other episodes Mm -hmm. um i i think uh yeah i i feel like what i do appreciate is i feel like because there's been so much controversy that there is kind of more in-depth analysis happening um Mm -hmm. when you are mindful and kind of seek it out um but then you also have i saw uh there was a comedian who did a piece on it on Seth Meyers and basically was calling it uh, the show itself racist and that it's uh, put moving us backward. And I just like, I don't see it because I think, I think you bring up a valid point in your interest of like, who is this show for? Who are the creators making it for? And unfortunately the show is not really for me or, or you like i enjoy it but i'm 100 percent where this show is not made for me it is made for middle america and what i think is then if you're gonna talk about those issues and humanizing 
I guess, Trump supporters or that demographic. Um, what I think is being, what I think is happening is a lot of activists uh, are now immersed in kind of uh, a bubble, uh, uh, often a, a progressive bubble that, you know, they see, oh, a Trump's, that she's a Trump supporter, so they have this big reaction. They don't actually analyze it in a mindful way because what is actually happening on the show is, yeah, it's it's a conservative it's not even a conservative family because for each, every time something conservative said, there's always a counterpoint. Just like whenever any of the liberal characters say anything, there's there's a counterpoint, and they're putting mm-hmm. these characters in situations that challenge their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think for, uh, I just think that's very useful in actually in progressive causes and reducing racism and reducing sexism is you can't, I mean, I I just don't feel like we can, when we're in the bubbles, we're just preaching to ourselves. Like I watched the Seth Meyers clip and I was like, Oh, she is literally talking to Seth Meyers audience of all progressives who already feel the way she does. Like she, nothing she is saying is going to be able to change anything. It's not going to change one person's mind. She's just talking to the people she Uh, agrees with and then when i think about that i'm like roseanne the show is actually a more powerful tool than that because it's actually talking to a demographic and has the potential to change their minds because it's putting them in situations with a character like them who has to make a a tough moral judgment and often makes the more progressive one um specifically with this it was around roseanne having uh muslim neighbors and being afraid of them um and then by the end of the episode she kind of has a a brief moment of kind of sticking up for them at the end and there was a lot of criticism over um how the the muslim neighbors were presented because they weren't presented uh they were presented very as nice people and they were like, well, they shouldn't have to be nice, blah, blah, blah. blah. And mm-hmm. we've kind of talked about this last time where I'm like, yeah, but then if you showed angry Muslims, then you'd be outraged that like, you can't, you can't show a whole demographic in one character. Like it's just not, right. it's not possible. Um, right. And also there was uh, a lot of, I don't want to say outrage. There's a lot of criticism that it just didn't go far enough in her in mm-hmm. Roseanne sticking up for them or whatever. But for me, it's like if she went all the way, then you've lost that base you can affect. Like that small change of her being deathly afraid, showing up to their house with a baseball bat to mm-hmm. sticking up for them is mm-hmm. a huge is a huge thing for someone who comes from that background. And it actually is advancing the causes that progressives care about in my opinion yeah yeah i mean i can definitely see that and again i didn't see the episode but i did hear a lot about this episode and some of the criticism that i was hearing was that it was like too easy of a solution so like she was judgmental of these people in the beginning and then at the end she sticks up for them and now like it's all fine and and Roseanne's off the hook. But I mean, it's hard because it's a sitcom and it's like, I don't right, know yeah. how much you expect them to like tackle that in the episode. I don't know. It, it, I mean, I definitely think um, a lot of the criticism, especially because it's coming from people who haven't watched it at all. It is, it is emotional. It is, it's triggered mm-hmm. by certain things and, and that's okay. You know, but I do think that like, 
it's not very necessarily mindful. Um, I do think that some of the criticism is, you know, I think that like, but I also think a lot of the criticism I'm hearing, and I was going to ask you this, is how much of it do you think is coming from people's criticism of Roseanne Barr as a person versus Roseanne, what's the character's name? Connor? Yeah. Uh, the character yeah, I think. Person. Right. I, and I, th- I think it's very similar in that uh, I think people kind of flew off the handle with kind of hearsay of who roseanne is politically and the kind of things she said and kind of embellished a lot of of things she's done and not looked at it from a mindful perspective right like i mean her entire career is her saying shocking things she's just that kind of comedian so she knows exactly what she's doing um and i think the thing, the thing for me is someone who during the election spent a lot of time trying to understand the the thought process of Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, everything she says about why she support, and she doesn't even say. I don't even think I've seen anything where she says downright like I think Trump's a good president. Um, she just mimics a lot of the the sentiment that a lot of Trump supporters have. And it's really the same sentiment that a lot of Bernie Sanders supporters had of kind of being over the status quo and wanting something new and like anything's better than what we've had before, which is how you, what you think about that specifically is right. a different thing. But I, nothing that she said has indicated that any of it was motivated from kind of any of the negative by racism or by xenophobia or any of that stuff. And I mean, she ran yes, on the green party. That... Make... Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, now I need to do like some research because I, I feel like there were some things that I read where I felt like, Oh, that's pretty messed up. But I don't remember what they were right now to be completely yeah. honest. And it was like, I remember reading some like Roseanne's racist, you know, like <laughs> criticism and being like, oh, let me Google that and, and, and see why people are saying this. And then reading a couple of things and thinking, yeah, that doesn't sound great. But I mean, at the same time, I it wasn't enough that like it stuck with me that I remember exactly what she said. Right. So. Oh, I and I'm sure she said, I mean, like, that's how she's she's been her whole career is kind of that type of person. Right. So right. her her saying something that's people are like outraged about does not surprise me (laughs) in in any way yeah and i think a lot of people's frustration is that you know again for people of color it's like you don't have the luxury of being able to like necessarily be outrageous and then also have this big giant platform on because it's nbc the nbc she's on and so i think that's the frustration and that's kind of more what i'm hearing it's on one of the major networks um i feel like it's nbc um and so, yeah, I think that's where a lot of the kind of frustration and like criticism of it is like comes from that. And I, I mean, I think I think the fact that there is so much dialogue around it shows the power of it is mm-hmm. of the show as well. And I always think that is great. Um, it's just is it how much of it is mindful versus is not actually helpful to the things that we're trying to uh, accomplish right and 
in a way because it's like you said it's also i mean how much can you criticize one sitcom you know it's it's a sitcom it's meant to be a lighthearted comedy it's not meant to be uh, a hard-hitting political right. drama or w- whatever so it's right. it's limited in what it can do but right. rosanna's also always tried to push limits so in in trying to do it it, it ends up I mean, some things are naturally going to work and some things are going to not work. Um. Yeah. And it actually, it makes me think about um, it's similar type of criticism when they did the Will and Grace reboot this Mm. year. I feel like there was a similar kind of criticism about like, it's so political. It's so this. And I mean, like there was a couple episodes, but for the most part, like it wasn't even, that wasn't the focus of the show and it was, mostly bringing back a lighthearted sitcom that also yeah. talked about the fact that like this is the political climate that we live in i think it's hard because i think anything that speaks to what's going on right now if it's a comedy is going to upset somebody because it's just right. like what's going on right now is so different and it's it's so polarizing and so it's like even just bringing it up at all there's gonna be you know feelings yeah. which i think you're right i think that that's actually a good thing and i think that that moves the conversation or at least we're having a conversation about it and even if people are you know kind of speaking at each other in these bubbles it's still i feel like things kind of seep out and it still gets people to kind of have some sort of conversation around it that they maybe wouldn't at all yeah, um, and i think for me i have such a uh i don't want to say negative reaction but it kind of uh uh little alerts go off when I see it because the thing I, when I see that type of criticism, like I saw in Seth Meyers, I, the the first thing I think is we have literally not learned anything since the election. Like this is us like preaching to our bubbles and having no care about being mindful of changing people's minds. Like Ruth Bader Ginsburg has another quote that I have here is reacting in anger or annoyance will not advance one ability, one's ability to persuade. And I think I just see that so much still. Like, I think that was a big problem in the election of why we got the result we did was because people went to their sides and no one really tried to understand anyone who wasn't within their little bubble. And then in doing so, there was all this shock and no one was able to come together or anything like that. And I see that and it, it gets frustrating in, in movements that I care about because uh, you see so much outrage over various things, not just mm-hmm. this, but then right. you look at it and you're like, you're actually hurting your own cause or I, or I just don't understand then what, what is the cause is the cause just to call out, just an example racist where when we see them or is it to actually try to make the situation better because to make the situation better i mean we really have to put ourselves i mean it it's going to require us putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations where Mm -hmm. we're going to have to be mindful when we don't want to be Um, and that's at least for me that's the only way i've seen change really happen Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that, that you're right. And yet, all of those parts are still kind of part of the process for change. And I think the hard thing is that I think 
I think the hard thing for you is that you're further along of kind of recognizing some of these things and being mindful to be able to see that and kind of say like, okay, we're getting in our own way. And a lot of everybody's not there. And so I think part of it is just like we, you know, as you become aware and the more aware you become it, it, you know, I was talking to somebody about this in session today, the more aware you become, the more responsible you kind of become because you start realizing Mm -hmm. like, okay, for whatever reason, everybody doesn't see that they're, recycling and doing the same thing over and over again and perpetuating the same issues. But for whatever reason, this is where I'm at. And so how can I kind of, you know, not judge them because that's where they're at. And I was there for something else at some point, you know what I mean? But also how do I use my ability to see things to like move us forward? And you see that like that becomes like, it's like a spark and people kind of latch onto that. And so like maybe a hundred people, hear your message and 95 of them are completely (laughs) closed off to it and don't have any idea. And then maybe four of them, like it kind of resonates, but they just, it not enough to like do anything or kind of move forward yet, but maybe it just gets stored somewhere to be activated later. And then maybe there's one person that actually, you know, connects to that. And so it kind of starts to expand. And I feel like we're at that point right now where I do see people starting to take more accountability of the energy that they're bringing to these spaces and what they're bringing to conversations and being like, okay, if I can't have a conversation about this without judging somebody or, you know, going off or cursing somebody out, maybe I need to go over here and take care of myself first and kind of being more mindful and more aware. So I do think that there's an increase, but it doesn't change the fact that the other, the other stuff has also increased as well. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so yeah i think for me too it's also uh because i originally wanted to talk about roseanne and then today i was having kind of second thoughts because i had kind of a moment of uh checking my own privilege uh within mindfulness and i think it's we've talked about checking privilege before and i think it's more than just a part of checking privilege is what you were born with i'm a white male so that comes with a certain amount of privilege but also the the education i've had and the mindfulness awareness like me being able to on on issues such as race or xenophobia me being able to like step outside of it and observe it from a mindful lens is is a privilege that not everyone has because i'm not directly affected by it Right. It's easier for me to say, well, I'm going to step out and and look at this mindfully than someone who's of a black person who's dealing with racism every day. Right. It's just and I think acknowledging that I was kind of angered at the beginning by the uh, reactions I was seeing to specifically that that Roseanne episode um, and how unmindful it seemed. Um, until I started really checking both my privileges as a white male and as someone who's cultivated a lot of mindfulness and spent, had the privilege of, of being able to do that. Um, and then I started to kind of see it even more from a, a deeper sense of mindfulness than I was, uh, before because my ego was kind of taken out Mm -hmm. of it. Yep. That's awesome. I have one question about Roseanne. 
Go ahead. Nagging <laughs> me since the first episode, and I really wish that the question was answered in the first episode, but it wasn't. And it's so funny because as we talk about this issue, like it's the only thing that I've been wanting to know. Where I was kind of considering maybe I will watch it again, just out of curiosity. Um, why is DJ's daughter black? Uh, his wife is black. Oh, okay. She's, she's in the military. Yeah, overseas. Oh. Gotcha. So in the this is a spoiler. So, so if people don't want to do it, but the um, okay. I mean that that part's not a spoiler. I'm going to give a spoiler right now. In the episode with the Muslim neighbors, the reason Roseanne has to engage with them is because their internet goes out, and the daughter is supposed to have a Skype call with her mom. So they go ask the neighbor for their internet code. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. That that was mm-hmm. I was just so curious about that. But it's yeah, funny yeah. because you think about like representation and again, just like I, I want to see myself or see myself represent. And so it's like that was the one thing that I was curious about with, with the show, which is kind of funny to me because it didn't dawn on me until we're like having this conversation. And I was just like, ask him about the daughter. <laughs> yeah. And I would say like the show, the it was kind of similar with Will and Grace is that the first pilot episode was not... This is just for people who don't understand uh, television in general. Pilot episodes are really made for a network to pick up your show. Um, mm-hmm. They're not really made with... Uh, they tend to be their own kind of beast. Um, right. Because they're your one shot to get a bunch of corporate people to fund your show and want to mm-hmm. pick it up. So very often after the pilot episode, the the tone shifts drastically because now mm-hmm. you have... You've been picked up for a certain amount of episodes to do, and now you're creating more of a a story in a world as opposed to more of a marketing tool, if you right. will. Um, so the rest what of the episodes... Watch more than one episode if you want to get a better idea. Of yeah, show. I always watch at least the second or the third. And I mean, my personal opinion, I think the acting on Roseanne's a little rough. Um, but uh, I do think it's interesting how they're... Uh, and this may be like, just, I mean, in, in my, I don't even want to say appreciation, my intrigue in it, um, may be the opposite of your experience of why you're not as much interested in it is because I mean, that middle America family is half my family, right? So I under, it's not, and even though I, I have no interest in ever living like that, there's something about that experience that uh, is fascinating because if, if that show can either open up something in, in that part of my family or can help me find a way to relate to them better so that we could have more mindful conversations. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, it's, it's worth it. So there is kind of a, even though it, I mm-hmm. would not consider that a show for someone like me i have a connection to it that makes sense yeah because that's something that's come up i mean we we talked about that with like holidays and going home and having different conversations with different family members whereas like with my family like my whole family is like activists from like the 60s and like so it's it's not something that i like that's not a perspective that i'm like connected to or feel Mm -hmm. you know the need to watch but i remember like there was a time when that was all we had 
You know, it was like there wasn't I wasn't able to find a lot of shows that did represent me. And so like this middle America white family actually was a little bit <laughs> felt like more of a fit of a representation because I at least knew and was around families like that you know, in the community right. that I grew up in. And so it's interesting because like right now, I mean, there's just way too much stuff to watch that like really, really interests me personally, you know, that I'm, you know, if this was a different time, I may not have even watched it back then. Yeah. And I think that just the difference in time, like you were, we were talking about uh, people kind of being outraged about, oh, these reboots are so political. And I was like, but if you watch the originals of both Will and Grace and Roseanne, they were just as political, no less political. We just lived in a time where that wasn't as polarizing. Yes. Yeah. So we, we just weren't as, as sensitive to it. So now we see it and it seems heightened, even though it's really much the exact same tone of what yeah. it was. And I think people yeah. even watch, I've had conversations with people who are like, no, that's not true. I've watched the reruns of the old ones and if, and that's not true. And I'm like, no, it is. You just don't have the connection to the politics of the 80s exactly. and early 90s like right. you do so you don't hear now. Those right, right. You don't hear like the buzzwords. We have our own buzzwords now, like Benghazi and things like that right. versus right. Like back then when you wouldn't, you wouldn't even receive it in that same way. You wouldn't notice them. But it's Plus so funny because of- I mean, I think most most things were if they were talking about what was going on at the time, then that political stuff came up. I remember one of my absolute favorite episodes of A Different World was all about like the election with like Bill Clinton and like Ross Perot and like they had it was like a whole musical episode and it was and that was like very much the norm and didn't seem strange at the time that they were doing this episode on a commentary of the current election. That was just mm-hmm. that was just what it was. So. Yeah, yeah, I also was reading, uh, someone was talking, I think it was about, what was it about? Golden Girls? Mm-hmm. It was about, uh, uh, and they were just doing an analysis of it, and they were talking about that time period, and they were saying a big difference between kind of the 80s and 90s to now was that there was kind of a nonpartisan criticism of whoever was in power, right? So you could make a joke that today would seem like, oh, you're so liberal, you're picking on the conservatives or you're picking on the liberals. But back then, it there wasn't that much of a reaction because it was like, well, people were more, I guess, not... Yeah, you just criticized whoever was in power mm-hmm. justly. Um, and it didn't have to do with feeling like an identity attachment to one side or the other. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. The good old days. (laughs) Now, I mean, I feel like so much of it, too, because there also wasn't social media. And so people didn't broadcast their views on things as much. There wasn't so much constant talk about things. So I just feel like, ugh, man. (laughs) I know. I just started. uh, uh, I'm trying to spend more time in New York, um, which Mm -hmm. requires me to need to be able to make more money from home. So Mm -hmm. I just started doing a. a new assignment for content tagging um and basically um i I mean i don't know how long i'm gonna do it it's sucking my soul i've only been doing it for two days um where basically it's for instagram and i get to see everything that people have flagged as inappropriate and Mm -hmm. then categorize one if it is and why but it's literally the worst of people Mm -hmm. their comments and their posts and it's just you have to look at the, Ooh, it's the so, 
Yeah, and it's it's just hard to stay mindful because you're just like, people are terrible. Like people, you just start to think like everyone, like I've had to, had to put myself afterwards in spaces where I'm seeing like the good everyone's doing in the world just to right. try to combat it. Right, Eat, like a whole playlist of like cute animal videos to watch. Right. Like, <laughs> get off or like in between breaks or something, take a break. And yeah, oh yeah, I could, I, I Bless yeah, you I don't that. think it's going to last very long. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, do we have... I just want to know if people are watching these shows, if people have watched Roseanne or seen the mm -hmm. RPG documentary. That's my question, is have people watched Roseanne and what are your thoughts on the show? And then if you've seen the documentary on RPG, curious what you guys thought. Yeah, sounds good. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Have a good one.